This podcast is sponsored by Regatta Outdoors. It's a glorious spring day and you're heading out on a walk. What do you bring with you? A paper map? Plenty of snacks? Well, of course they're important, but any seasoned hiker will tell you that footwear is the first thing to consider. Whether you prefer relaxed rambles or challenging summits, comfortable and reliable shoes are essential. Regatta has waterproof and breathable footwear for the whole family, for every outdoor occasion. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. You're listening to The Blogcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm your host. And in episode five of our new season of Mindful Wonders in Nature, we're with musician, author and Radio 6 presenter Keris Matthews to talk about her new adaptation of Dylan Thomas's fabulous story of a day in the life of a Welsh village under Milkwood. Our own Margaret Bartlett was lucky enough to meet with Keris just before Christmas in Kew Gardens in West London. We're mostly here today too. Well, we're obviously enjoying this amazing walk, but we're mostly talking about your um, new book, which is um, a retelling of Dylan Thomas's um, Under Milkwood. And it's in a picture book format, which is absolutely enchanting, and I really love it. Oh, thank and you. I just wonder why, why, why you chose the picture book format for a retelling like this. Well, because the original is so exceptionally brilliant, mm. and but it it wasn't something I could read as it was to my very young children. No, yes, and that was simply it. I was like, well. There must be more people than just me that want to use this time just before sleep, when children's minds are so active and it's such a lovely moment in the day when you put down tools and you, you sit together, pyjamas and teeth done and you get to read together. Mm. And I love that moment. So you love all the... I mean, my favourites were Gruffalo, uh, Goodnight Moon... You know, of late, then wonky donkey things that yes. sound great, <laughs> yeah. things that are so characterful, yeah. and, and and books that have such great text that you you bring them along with you yeah. during your daytime as well. Yeah. And um, that's where the idea was born, really. Why not? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I feel, I mean, I I don't know how you feel about this, but I mean, I I live in Wales, and do you? Yes, in Cardiff. Enough, which I came from today and in Wales Dylan Thomas references are everywhere and um, you know you're sort of surrounded by 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 part of that sort of literature and history but is it is it different here in England did you want to sort of did you want to kind of bring that that work to a wider audience um I had no more agenda than just because I I loved the, the original and I I knew it would work so brilliantly for young brains. Mm. That that was honestly, it, it's just a complete labour of love. There was no yeah. m- manifesto or agenda or anything. And in fact, I've been quite surprised because I grew up in Swansea, Dylan Thomas's city, looking at the same crescent-shaped bay. Mm. Went to school in Swansea. Mm-hmm. Didn't study Dylan Thomas once. On, oh, on, you didn't. It wasn't on my curriculum mm-hmm. <laughs> for some whatever reason. And then I've met so many people here 
over the border where they did study Dylan Thomas. So they're more familiar with Under Milk Book from school than, than I certainly was until I took it up as an adult. So, um, but the thing is, I mean, the thing is that I always say it with, with the work of great writers, and you can be talking about James Joyce here, you could be talking about Langston Hughes here, WB Yeats, Shakespeare. Hmm. It's almost missing the point to keep honing back to where they're born mm. because these brains are brilliant and we love them because you know they've got universal messages or a way with words that that override everything but the magic of the power of those words yeah. and to, to try and box them actually is not I don't know I love the fact that I can imagine and that's what I've done with the illustrated book as well. I wanted any child from anywhere in any village or town or setup in the world to be able to pick up that book and see somebody who looks like themselves in it, for one. And because I knew in Dylan Thomas's text, he can certainly do that through the writing because he writes about so many different larger-than-life characters. You know, you've got no good bio who obviously is always up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> Funny fish, it's all he's caught all day. Mm. So he's out there in the Zanzibar and he, all he catches is a, is a corset, a whalebone corset, or he's up to no good in the wash house. And then you've got, say, Mrs. Ogmore Pritchard, who doesn't want people coming in because they, I don't want them to breathe all over my chest, you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah. and if you bring the, what is it, let the sun in and mind it, wipes its shoes. It's this complete neat freak. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got this sneak kind of dreamer that wants to kill his wife, Mr. Pooh, the schoolmaster, who's reading all these books on arsenic and the great uh, poisoners. <laughs> you know, with all, this person with ulterior motives. You know, mm-hmm. that then gives a respect. But you've got all walks of life in in there. You know, the the, the fun ones, the dreamers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that. That's why it's so brilliant. And then the ones that are just so mischievous, and the one like Jack Black, the cobbler, we just don't quite know what the heck he is up to. <laughs> and there's that thing where he goes out into the already sinning dark, and you just see him like Kate Evans who's done the illustrations, mm. brilliantly done. Like off he walks with his trousers done up with a bit of cobbler's thread, the Bible in his hand into the wood with his torch and you can see the beam of light into the woods. Yeah. We have no idea what he's going to get up to. <laughs> it's up, no good probably. No good, yeah. Yeah. But you know that the other thing and um, is to try and try and make sure we didn't miss any of the detail in um, in mm. the text that mm. we had to because it's not so much a retelling as just a version to exist as a gateway. Mm to those that are not old enough for the full fat version. Sure, yeah. So it's more of an abridgment. You, in, yeah. in a sense, yeah. yeah. With, mm. with, you know, exceptionally... Well, I, I can say this, because it's you know, a good, great work by Kate Evans. You know? Yes, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. I love it. Um, so do you have a favourite character from the book? Is there somebody that kind of... from Under Milkwood that kind of resonates the most with you? Um, there's so many in there that I like... Yeah. Um, Marianne Sailors, so she's 
she's the, the octogenarian who, okay. who runs the pub, which is always open as the clock is on, you know, perhaps 11, it's always opening time in <laughs> Sailor's Arms. And there's a, there's a, there's a moment in the, as they all, if you don't know Undermook, but it's kind of like 24 hours in the life of this village. And you meet the inhabitants when they're all dreaming and they're full on asleep. And then they wake up, super busy morning, the afternoon slows down, it gets to be quite a yawny, lazy, slumbering kind of afternoon. Then dusk, then we're back at night time. And then you leave them as they're all sleeping. So it's, it's a perfect little, yeah. you know, 24 hours for, for, for youngsters as well. And yes. throughout the whole story, you hear the march of time. Mm. Um, there's there's uh, Lord Cutglass with a 66 clock, slow clocks, quick clocks, twitter clocks, clocks that have no hand, who will never know what time it is. And and you, you hear that and in the text, it's tick-tock, and shh, come closer. So it's, it's all these lovely little ways of keeping the listener really close at hand, watching the march of time, because he was obsessed, I think, mm. with our mortality and with this march of time. Mm. But it makes it really work well um, for, for, for young young readers as well but anyway <laughs> I've gone off haven't I let's see what this tree is because the bark is extraordinary oh, it is sweet chestnut oh, sweet chestnut wow castania sativa it's absolutely huge as well couldn't even get your arms around that could you no I reckon what do you reckon four foot Ooh. across um yeah well I'm five I'm foot? five so <laughs> <laughs> Margaret it's about five foot <laughs> don't fall over no. isn't that yeah. beautiful Stunning. This is a huge monkey puzzle. Have you ever seen one as big as this before? Not so good for climbing. I never found. Not so good, no. <laughs> Bit ouchy. Ouch. Yeah. Bit yeah. ouchy. They're amazing, though, aren't they? But yeah, I love plants. Absolutely. I like mm. nature. That's, right. I love. So, in any time off, I'm t- I tend to want to drag the the family to mountains and go yeah. hiking. So when you go out for walks and, and take your family out, where, whereabouts do you go from from here? Where do you normally well, um, go for we're, an outdoor? We're in Kew Gardens at the minute because mm. it's the biggest um, park and it's also got a huge emphasis on seed collecting and, mm. and um, biodiversity in terms of, you know, you can see examples of these trees from all over the world. And I, I used yeah. to bring the children here and they could just run run around but I, and then I could keep my brain busy by trying to recognise trees that kind of yes, thing yeah yeah um, but now they're older I mean my youngest is just turned 13 so I've got right. three teenagers and a couple of older children as part of the blended family so, mm-hmm. so now um, we, we used to I used to grab them and, and, and well we my favourite trip was we walked to um, Everest base camp when yes. my um, son was nine my sons were nine and twelve wow so that that was the the biggest best one but what's what's the problem is now like where what what do you do to it was so astonishing and so exceptional and 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 just oh my goodness if if anyone is listening to this and have any inkling of a want to, to go and do it just do it there was an 81 year old on the trail really wow it is it is trails and the people want you to be there and yeah. the talk of rubbish and all that is really something that they're tackling mm-hmm. and they take immense pride and there's recycling bins mm-hmm. and, and they you know the, the economy wants the tourists 
pound there so don't don't even think twice beautiful right. beautiful city of Kathmandu beautiful people oh. beautiful food and if Wonderful. you love nature yes oh my gosh that was one of the best things you ever did because it's, you know if you're walking three say on average six hours a day mm. um, up and down up and down because obviously yeah. you've got to you know there's valleys as well before you hit the yeah. main trail um, you're going to see all the different types of plant life that grow in different elevations yeah. so you'll be going through juniper um, forests little tiny juniper bushes as well then you'd go through rhododendron forests oh, fantastic. then you'll go into moonscapes where you'll have barely anything at all yeah. um, and then all throughout you're you're being passed by these beautiful animals um, yaks but also the animal that you get when you mix yaks with cows which are zows zows <laughs> yeah you're kidding i've never heard of a yeah, zow yeah it's amazing yeah and then you just marvel at nature <laughs> that's a nice view right there isn't it oh, that's beautiful yeah. see a view down the avenue of oh, very could. old trees Should yeah we, walk we could down walk straight down yeah yeah yeah, yeah i'm fine yeah i think well they're not towards the greenhouse yeah Great. I'm sure they don't call it the greenhouse, do they? I think it's called the, is it the temperate house. It's something? massive. <laughs> I know. It's Victorian exactly. and it's very famous. It's very big. And it's bigger yeah, than it's your average greenhouse. <laughs> it's not the greenhouse but at the end of the garden. It's glass it, and it's got yes. plants in. Yes, and it's absolutely beautiful inside. Yeah. Um, so that's a very long answer to your question. Uh, I, but I love, I love taking, I love challenges. I love saying, right, mm. looking at a map and going, we're going to go from there to there. Yeah. We're going to do some more pilgrimages. There's another one I did with Phoebe. It was a pilgrimage uh, down yeah. to um, St. Michael's Mount in Cornwall. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. And then we did uh, Ben Nevis, Winter Conditions. Did you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, now, that's brave. And, that, and crampons. That, that's brave. That's a big, that's a big walk. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got a little bit addicted to um, rock climbing as well. Now, indoor rock climbing more uh-huh. than the outside stuff. Yeah. Just as, as a sport that you can take up at any age. Mm. And what I love about it, I go along and there's a there's a session for over 50s. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And I see people still climbing and they've got to be in the 90s. You're kidding. No. I mean, it's That's well, imagine you, it's a, it's, you, you can get to stretch, you yeah. can get to twist, you yeah. can get to use your mind. That's what I love because yeah, yoga true. just makes me want to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can use your mind and your... You're, you know, you're, you're just stretching your sinews and mm. your joints and your mm. muscles, all of it, and a little bit of strength. Yeah. I think I think it's the world's best sport, actually. Mm. And it is incredible for building strength, isn't it? And like you say, you have to think, you have to find your route up. Yeah. It's like a crossword on, on the wall, really, a yeah. physical crossword. So you, yes. you do your wordle. Yes. And then you um, <laughs> and then you you whirl your way over to the rock climbing centre and then you and if if you got if you got ropes and and you're tied in you're not gonna fall either. No. Yeah. Well, you might fall, but you're not gonna hurt yourself. Fingers crossed, you know. Yeah. Yeah. In theory, the, you know, you've absolutely limited the danger. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I like rock climbing too. So. Do you? Well, I used to do. I used to live in London. And I used to climb it. Um, oh, it's near um, Stoke Newington. There's a climbing centre. Yeah. Climbing, yeah. And uh, yeah, for a little bit though. And I re- I did really like it. But it's difficult to conquer. Well, for me, conquering the fear of heights was 
Yeah. You know, I'd get to the near the top and then I'd my legs would start going. But that's natural. Yeah. I mean, can I be completely honest with you? Yeah. That's why I started to um, rock climb is because mm. I'm absolutely terrified of heights and going to, I knew I was going to Everest and there are some parts of the trail where it completely does fall away and I thought, well, you know what? Why not try and get your head around this exposure yeah. before we go? So it's just part of it. And as long as you, you're tied in, yeah. you just, you know, you just talk to yourself, don't you? Yeah. And enjoy it even. Yeah. But there's still there's moments where you're climbing and you're up going around the corner and you're like, even in an indoor centre, you're yes. like, oh, really? So now that you've done Ben Nevis, what, what would be, what would be, oh gosh, what's up there? Well, I haven't done Scaffold Pike yet, so that's, ah, Scaffold Pike, that's yeah. on the um, agenda. And then yeah. I was going to do Tidy in Tenerife, uh-huh. but um, my husband's not quite as keen as me, and so an, an right. overnight climb through the night wasn't something I could persuade him to do. It was a very Ooh. short trip. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we just did a four-hour hike um, down the Tidy in the, in the end. Right, OK. Um, which was it? No, long lava flows and things. Oh, so fantastic! It, it was good. It was, <laughs> it was quite achy the following day because it, it's a lot of rocks and serious so right. like, It's quite Ouch. uneven ground, and it yeah. give, give your hip sockets quite a workout. I must admit. Yeah, you need good boots for that kind of thing. I think you probably need trampolines or something as feet. Yeah, so, <laughs> so really bouncy. So, do you, in terms of your, of your kind of sort of well-being and your kind of mental health do you find that I mean how does the outdoor being outdoors help in terms of making you feel feel good feel better not just health wise but mentally I've, oh yeah I can't even oh I don't know where to start really hmm the other word makes no sense. The urbanised, suburbanised, 2022 world of, of all the information of all the injustices mm. and all the moronic things that humans do to each other mm. is very hard to make sense of. Mm. Um, so to walk out, if you can find it still, into relative wilderness mm. and to see what the natural world is up to after millions and millions and millions of years of of growing and changing yeah you know without man's touch on it as violent as nature is as well but but there's there's an innocence to it that um can refill the batteries for sure. We've just yeah. come across this copse of woods with like poppies hanging from yeah. the trees. They lit up poppies. poppies. Do you think they light up at night? Oh yeah, you can yeah. see there. Oh, I see. Yeah, like, they are. Yeah, yeah. I think they are. Unless it's the sun going in there. Oh yeah, I think they're. No, it's yeah. not. The sun's behind us, so it's got to be lit up. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Isn't that beautiful? Oh yes, they are. You're right. It's got to be a Remembrance Day or something. Yeah. Gosh, that's absolutely stunning, isn't it? How pretty. We went to the illuminations in Cardiff Park on the weekend. And, oh, yeah. Um, Let's keep going to the amazing. Oh, we're supposed to be going that way. Yeah, yeah. And that was amazing to see all the trees lit up at night. It's so beautiful. Yeah. 
Well, that's great. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's exciting that you're doing like proper sort of challenges outdoors and, and things rather than, you know, like you're setting yourself actual real goals. Yeah, I, I quite like that. I don't, my, yeah. my husband doesn't quite get it. He's like, why, why do you, you know, what, what are you looking for? <laughs> you're sure. And yeah. I'm like, no, my kind of brain. And that's the thing, when you get to a certain point, you, you recognise what your personality, you know, mm. different personalities need different things. And I, I don't, I mean, today we're just wandering around kind of aimlessly. Yes. Which is one kind of walk. <laughs> Shut off that puddle. Yeah. Right? And, and it's a lovely thing to do this. Yeah. See all these geese willy nilly to quote uh, <laughs> under milk word, yes. But there's other times, especially when it's a harder physical walk. I'd like to know this is the aim, mm. this is day one. We're here, all being well. We're going to go through here, 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 and this is where you're going to end mm. up. And you're going to end up tired, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to have even if it's a small thing, but you're going to have an achievement, yeah, yeah, you know. I don't know why that is, but I've got that kind of brain, and that's fine. You know, I like a challenge. Yes, yes. So, so I like pilgrimages. Yeah. And then I like mountains. You start there, yeah. and you go to the top, and then you come down again. Or you go to that point of the mountain, you come down again. It's just it's something, there's something that you can, it's, bite, it's a bite size of understandability or something. I don't know why. Yeah. It's sort of, yes, a, an achievable goal. Yeah. Yeah, the beginning and an maybe end. It's a control thing. Yeah, <laughs> some a small thing in life you can control within reason. Yes, yes, exactly. And it, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt anybody either. Mm. That's it. Apart from my husband, <laughs> who I make do these things with. <laughs> no, he's good. At the end, he's probably thankful that he's done something special. Yeah. Well, he he loved Everest. Yeah. He loved that walk, and the boys did as well. Mm. And my my older boys now. 17 and a half and mm-hmm. uh, he, he hiked down the Grand Canyon and we we all went um, <laughs> we all went up Snowdonia and uh, again I think it was January so it was, it was miserable Ooh, wet yeah. and cold and misty but we did it I did have to push one of them up with my head the last <laughs> few metres but uh, again oh, that well was with done. Phoebe yeah Phoebe's got all the tricks, you know, he's got the Mars bars hidden away and the chocolates and the jelly beans to keep children going. It's crucial, isn't it? You know, so yes. Yeah, it yeah. works. It's the only thing that gets my son to the top of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic. So can I t- go back a little bit to talk about, um, you, you sort of have a family connection with um, Dylan Thom- Thomas' mm. work, don't you, with, for, with your your uncle? Mm. Now, how was... How was how was he involved? Well, he was a broadcaster. The... Yeah. Um, mostly he moved to Canada and was a broadcaster in Canada. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Thomas died in the ni- early 1950s under the cloud of disrepute, let's say. You know, he, he was part of the sort of surrealist art tribe in um, Fitzrovia in London and, and so you know he, they were all testing the norm the social norms of the time um, and yeah he drank a lot and he didn't kowtow to social norms mm. um, and he in the end of his life he was always needing money mm. he had like many poets and artists he had patrons but he you know and he worked in the oil industry for a minute just for some money um, yeah. Um, and then he had these 
long American tours um, and if you look at the schedule it's 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 pretty clear the pressures he was under you know to his debtors to, to fulfill these tours um, which ultimately ended up with him being in a coma in New York mm. um, not to say that the whiskies didn't uh, <laughs> help her get to that point quickly but also they gave him opiates um, okay. and the opiates on top of an already week long system and um, I suspect pneumonia would have suppressed his breathing and tipped him over into death at 39. Um, all of this yeah. and all of the detail you find via my uncle's um, tapes, hundreds and hundreds of hours of tapes that he interviewed the people that were there. Right. Mm. Um, the lady that helped Dylan Thomas finish Under Milkwood, I mean if you think about it, Under Milkwood itself he started when he was still a little boy in school. Mm. And he worked on it all of his life, or returned to it periodically, and then it was his last work that he finished. And he, he only just finished it because this lady pushed him to do it, his editor, um, just before those curtains were rising, you know. Gosh. And then a few months Incredible. later, he was dead. So. Oh, how dreadful. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. But complex. Most humans are complex anyway. You're not going to yeah. have, you know, figuring them out in, in the headlines. No. But my. my my uncle as a broadcaster and as a broadcaster that was was living outside of Wales mm. recognised that he was a, a huge literary figure and if nobody took notes and made interviews at this point that it would be forever be lost mm. who the real yeah. Dylan was mm. so he went and he interviewed Florence Thomas his mum Eiranoi, the daughter, the the sons, Mm -hmm. um, friends, family, the pub owners, um, the doctor that saw to him in New York, the editors, the publishers, the uh, the, the patrons, anyone who had anything to do with the learn. My my uncle Colin Edwards got in touch with and, and recorded. And he kept all those recordings on tape. I had the tapes, the physical tapes. Uh-uh. And I know. So, yeah, it's, it's lovely when it's, I don't know, one touch away, isn't it? And then and then he's, now they're all for free for anyone to, they're transcribed, they're in the National Library of Wales. Oh, really, are they? Okay. But there was a, there's a moment, what he recognised was, um, there was a moment that, that everyone was like turning away from him because of his disrepute, you know? Mm. It was a typical thing like, what, the neighbours? What were the neighbours? <laughs> you know, let's distance ourselves from him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he wanted to do something about it and that's one of the things he did in his spare time, you know? Mm. So there's a couple of books now um, that have been made from those transcriptions, but he's always his work is always used to try and make sense of this mm. man who was ultimately, you know, a romantic in a sense and that that's the thing with under milkwood having spent 10 years making it into this version which is a gateway for all ages yeah with a blessing of hannah the granddaughter mm. and the family you know trevor the the son-in-law and friends of them all now and with oh. the blessing of the publishers of under milkwood who own the rights yeah well I, the, the one thing that sings out so loud is that this is a a book of love 
and a book of hope. Hmm. He describes Laregib as this place of love. You got Mrs. Diebred One and Mrs. Diebred Two with a magic ball, we call it. <laughs> and I say, what do you see, lovey? I see a bed with three pillows on it. There's some text above the bed. What's it say? It says, God is love. <laughs> so there's something quite biblical about it in, in that sense. Well, you know, this Bible black, this Bible's mentioned so many times in it. I mean, this mm. is, when did he write it? Well, he started, right? It would be in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, um, chapels were pretty big at that point. Yes. But I think more, more to the point, it's about, yeah, it's about warts and all life and living as a community and us all being different mm. and us all being flawed, but ultimately having hope that there's goodness in us all as well. Mm. Mm. And then that's, it becomes abundantly clear when you distill down the, the text, that mm. it, this is a love affair, a love, love letter to life wherever you're from in the world and that's that's what I and and also this acknowledgement of the, the transience and the fleeting nature of life on earth as well human life one human's life yeah. and to, to grasp at it while you have it you know mm. so and I think that's what I but also not just that though it's just the beauty of his writing <laughs> it's as simple as that is as well and being able to read it loud and put voices to the characters there's so many elements I love mm -hmm. in it much as I can say about any group you know I love reading full stops it doesn't just have to be Dylan Thomas it's yeah. I, I love reading I love George Eliot yeah you know I'm reading Bleak House again at the minute with Dickens hey, and it oh, starts off fog it. fog fog you know that beginning yeah yeah and you're just like, oh my god! Mm. So this repetition and it's it's music, isn't it? Mm, mm. When you when you hit writing that you love, you just hear it sing. Yeah. Anyway, but you did ask me earlier about my favourite characters, and it, and it was yeah. um, we got waylaid by that ancient tree, didn't we? Yes, <laughs> sweet chestnut. So, so there's this there's Marianne Sailors, and she opens the windows of the pub where she lives and. I made tea five years in a day, praise the Lord who made porridge. <laughs> and that's that's her in a nutshell, you know, this really positive, you know, yeah. matriarch who runs the, the, the village pub and is full of life at 83 and um, evidently it's a lot of porridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. And those phrases just stick in your mind then, don't they? Yeah. You know, you just go around when you're next to porridge and go, Praise the Lord, you made porridge! <laughs> Even if you can't help it, and people are like, what? <laughs> so do you, th do you think that, well, speaking of praising the Lord, do you think that kind of the sort of communal singing and um, chapel life of Wales kind of contributed to Dylan's, Dylan Thomas's kind of approach? It's quite lyrical and sort of... I mean, he, he, he wrote things to be spoken aloud, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, oh, it, it was, absolutely. No, yeah. no doubt about it A lot at of all. musicality in there. But we'll go back to Robert Burns and WB Yeats. They were all obsessed with music as well. Mm. I mean, you can hear that in their work as well. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's by default of where they were born, I, I couldn't comment. I don't know, but mm. I definitely 100% know that, you know, the era Dylan Thomas was brought up in Wales, even if he never admitted that he could speak Welsh, he definitely could understand it. Sure. No doubt about it, mm. because his mum did, mm -hmm. his dad did, his his his, his auntie's favourite auntie Anne or his grandmother Anne, and it was just one of the, the older generation in his family. They'd stay in her farm, Fern Hill, mm -hmm. and that was in Carmarthenshire, in West Wales. 
it would have been everyone was speaking Welsh. Yeah. So the sound of it and the and the struck meter of it and the poetry and the bardic poetry, there's absolutely no doubt about it at all. He was completely aware of it and was able to enjoy the words and, and the sound of it. Mm. And the chapel, as you mentioned, you know, the, you know, even my generation, I was going to chapel three times on a Sunday. You know, it's three changed times. Three times on a Sunday. You know, and the harmony singing. But even now, in the generations coming up now, you're going to have the singing. You see it in the World Cup. Mm. It's just part and parcel of growing up, where you happen to be growing up, where people burst into song in the pub, you know, or on the terraces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't even think about it. And the harmony singing, particularly. I and mean, they've been doing that since... I don't know, what was that travel writer called? Gerald? I can't remember. Anyway, 11th century or something? Oh, right. Are the yeah, Welsh yeah, singing yeah. harmony, whereas other people sing in unison? <laughs> I love that quote. Anyway, ah. Gerald of Wales, was it? Yeah. So when you were growing up in, in Cardiff and Swansea, was, was being outdoors quite a bit of your of your life? Did you get out and not? Yeah. 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 My mum and dad loved... I mean, I was thinking about this when, when you asked me to come for a walk, because mm. when I was young, I remember going, oh, no, not again. <laughs> you know, here I am as an adult doing the same to my children. Yeah. But, yeah, no, they loved the outdoors, and my, a lot of my family are from West Wales, which is very wild. Mm, yeah. And um, we, we were able to go at every point. We had a caravan there, and my cousins had a farm there, so at every point when school breaks allowed, we'd be in West Wales. So that meant, you know, picking periwinkles from the rock pools. It was helping out with the, the dairy farm, you know, with the milking. It was helping carving. It was helping with the slurry and uh, everything, you know, anything. I, I wanted to be a farmer, actually, or a farmer's wife when I was growing up. Did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard work, especially now. But. So it, did, it didn't feel like we were really brought up to be city kids so much. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah, yeah. And do you miss that living here now? Do you miss that that sort of connection with the countryside? I, I must because that's why every time I time and work allows, I get get the hell out. <laughs> so I must do it. But there's, that doesn't go to. I do, what I do love about living in the big city is the mix of people. Um, and we've we you know oh another brilliant D- Dylan Thomas thing is Lan when you read about Lan oh Lan yeah um, I got off the bus and never got on again you know and people come here for a whole whole um, myriad of reasons and one of them is to escape from the international police and he lists all these reasons why people end up in Lan yeah. and I read that occasionally and I've read it in places all over the world and you can uh-huh. say it about a lot of places we're all you know. So many places have a mix of people. Some would have been born there, others, are, you know, came yeah. on the bus and then never got on again, you know. And, yeah. and I, I yeah. love that about London. Love yeah. Because I love cooking and food, spicy food, and, you know, look at, look at the range of choice we have now. Well, usually time of reading, the time of day it's at now. So yeah. it's at the end of the afternoon. Let's have a look. Sort of almost. Is it three? Half past two almost. Alright, I think we'll go in here because I'm done this one. So we just say goodbye to Mr. Willy Nilly, the postman, who's a very 
naughty postman because he and his wife steam open the mail so they know the ins and outs of everybody's lives in under Milkwood. Yeah. And um, he knocks on the door of Mrs Ogmore Pritchard. <laughs> Good morning, Mrs Ogmore Pritchard. Good morning, postman. Here's a letter. A gentleman wants to study birds and can he have accommodation for two weeks? No. I don't want persons in my nice clean rooms breathing all over the chairs. Cross my heart, he won't breathe. Look at that no good boy now. Too lazy to wipe his snout. Outside the sun springs down on the rough and tumbling town. It stirs gossamer bynan, schoolmistress, like a spoon. It foams in a flame in Jack Black as he cobbles a high-heeled shoe for Mrs. Diebred too. There is no leg belonging to the foot that belongs to this shoe. Mrs. Diebred one and Mrs. Diebred two are sitting outside the house in Donkey Lane. What do you see, lovey? I see a feather bed with three pillows on it and a text above the bed. God! is love is that enough yes <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it goes in, the reason you. I'm stopping there is because it goes into singing Polly Garter singing with a garter on her leg oh yeah yes and then <laughs> and then the children come and I've cut you know so there's quite a lot of mischief and humour in the original and you have to you know like the kids are playing in the yard and you know kids can be cruel mm. so what's your name Billy Kiss me and Goosegog Lane, Billy, or give me a penny, silly. Gwenny, Gwenny, I can't kiss you in Milkwood. Why? Because my mother says I mustn't. Put him in the river, up to his liver. Quick, quick, dirty dick, beat him on the bum with a rhubarb stick. Hi! Shh. And then you go into Mr. and Mrs. Pew in the dining room. But there's another bit in here. I'm going back a little bit in mm-hmm. time to yeah. the afternoon. I think it's afternoon and I'll, if you don't grab this book off me I'll carry on and <laughs> so here we are it's another it's a village scene where everything's going on this is like kind of like the peak of the day um, and you see it from the perspective of Captain Cut so this is what he hears from his window Johnny Crack and Flossy Snail kept their baby in the milking pail Sitting at the open window of Schooner House, blind Captain catches all the morning of the town. You can tell it's spring. The morning's busy as bees. Noses are wiped, heads picked, hair combed, paws scrubbed, ears boxed, and the children shrilled off to school. Somebody's at Margie Richards. Two to one, it's Billy Swansea. Never trust a boy who barks. Ruff, ruff. I love that line. It's so good. Never trust a boy who barks. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so then you'll have to pull that out, that one out to your son. If, if yes. he comes back with some problems, you'll just go, just never trust a boy who barks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's all love in there. It. I love it. Yeah, oh, thanks for asking me to read. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Honestly, Margaret, lovely. what a pleasure to come out eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. 
Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With milder weather and longer days on the way, now is the time to dust off your hiking boots and enjoy the great British countryside. And wherever you go, whatever the terrain, Regatta Great Outdoors has the right footwear for any adventure. From grassy hills to rocky trails and even paved footpaths, there's a regatta shoe to suit your walking preferences. Discover lightweight trainers for day-to-day wear or walking shoes for multi-day hikes like the brand new Samaras 3. Combining comfort with performance, the Samaras 3 is available as a shoe and boot for both men and women and is ideal for all your hiking pursuits. Tech Foam InSock technology supports your foot, while an EVA midsole and shock-absorbing heel protects you from bumps along the way. Plus, it's waterproof and breathable, so your feet stay dry no matter the weather. Available to shop in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Oh, so that was the wonderful Keris Matthews with our own Margaret Bartlett in Kew Gardens. And I'm incredibly jealous of Margaret because that was just, it was lovely to hear Keris talk about nature, talk about her work, talk about the magic of Dylan Thomas. And what a joy. And they, they they got on so well together, which I really loved. I loved the companionship. I loved their to and fro. And it, it was a delight. Talking about companionship and delights, though, I'm back in the studio with Jack and Hannah, who help me make the podcast. Lovely to see you both. Lovely to see you. Hello. Were you entertained by Keris Matthews? So entertaining. So sweet. Yeah. They are so nice together. And like the little touches where they're like, watch out for that puzzle. (laughs) Mind you don't fall down here. It's just so lovely to be listening in on that conversation. It was. It was. You're exactly right. It felt like a a very warm friendship between. And also, it was just lovely because I've always been a bit starstruck by Keris Matthews. And I was slightly pleased when jealous but slightly pleased when margaret <laughs> offered to go and meet her because i was i would think i might have been a bit sort of awestruck well, she's uh, incredibly impressive like she was talking about learning to climb because she was scared of heights like there's something so amazing about pushing into that fear yes exactly and she seemed to take sort of climb away i climbed everest the other day and uh and we've done this and we're going to go up scuffle pike and we, we did ben never i mean i was i was out of breath listening <laughs> to that bit but my favourite part of that was hearing Keris do the voices from Under Milkwood. It was just delightful. To, and, ah, oh, she really got them. She clearly lives through the, those. Oh, it was lovely. And Hannah, I know you're a big fan. I'm a massive fan. Like growing up in Swansea, it's sort of Dylan Thomas is this huge icon. You sort of can't move without sort of feeling him there. I know that Keris said that she grew up in Swansea and she didn't learn any Dylan Thomas when she was in school, but we definitely did. And it was brought out every Christmas. We did Charles Christmas in Wales every Christmas. It was it was there. And there's something so beautiful about the way he uses adjectives. He sort of so completely paints a picture. It's a, an exact picture of what the thing is just from lists and lists of adjectives. Mm. And I love that a bit. Yeah, He's painting it, almost. It, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, my Welsh father-in-law reads... Charles Christmas in Wales to my son every Christmas and it's just magic because it's a whole story you feel it's a good 20-30 minutes read and it's a whole wonderful series of events and totally engrossing I could listen to it endlessly on a loop 
Although it is late January now, perhaps we should move on. <laughs> but that's one of the great thing about things about Dylan Thomas's writing is that it it sort of comes alive when it's spoken. It sort of needs that. You can read it to yourself, fine, read out of the book, lovely. But if you read it aloud to yourself or have it read to you, it becomes this another thing. And especially under Milkwood, because that was always meant as a play for voices. It's just got this sort of sing-song. But you're, you're right. It was originally a radio play, wasn't it? Yeah. It, so look out for Keris's new book. It's called Dylan Thomas. It's Under Milkwood, a retelling by Keris Matthews, and it's published by Weidenfeld and Nicholson. Before we go on, we've had a new entry into the podcast post bag, and it's a lovely, lovely letter. Thank you, Jack. Have you have you reached in and grabbed it out for? Um, I've I've got in. It's on the very top of the bag this time. And I've got it out and I've passed it to my dear friend Hannah. Oh, thank you Because so she's got more of a lovely voice to read it. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true, but thank you. So this is from Graham Jackson in the Netherlands. He says, The podcast has reignited my love of nature, something which I had long taken for granted. It's been a source of solace and support during a year spent recovering from burnout as a result of my duties as a nurse. The Netherlands may be small, but I'm very fortunate to have a diversity of habitats nearby and some of the only hills in the country. Walking has always been part of my routine, and exploring the Northamptonshire countryside was a big part of my childhood. Since moving to the Netherlands, I'd replaced it with the speed and convenience of cycling. This made it hard to connect with the Dutch landscape, and I realised I'd lost sight of the importance of walking and nature to my own sense of well-being. The healing, almost spiritual quality of walking seems obvious now, but it has allowed me to clear my mind and accept my mental health issues as part of me. The podcast has helped me reevaluate who I am and what I allow to define me. By reconnecting to nature, I formed a connection to my surroundings and finally feel rooted to the area in which I live. So a big thank you to the team for your insightful and spellbinding podcasts. In moments of darkness and turmoil, your reassuring voices mean the world to me. That's totally beautiful email and when you've read that now i'm touched actually i'm sort of a little lump of matter it's so, so lovely to read an email like that thank you graham yeah that's i mean gosh it's sort of more than we hate from the blog podcast that we, we we just wanted to share some lovely adventures outside but of course the reason we go outside and wander and look at nature wander and wander at nature and landscapes and the curious folk we meet on our travels is because we want to have it's like it's all about contentment and happiness and finding something that is fulfilling deeply fulfilling and you know definitely i I, in dark times getting out into the brecon beacons has always been my first sort of first port of call and it generally works it's magic but uh it's what this series is all about really it's those mindful walks in nature one point Graham, you make there is uh, about cycling and the difference between cycling and walking. It's really interesting because cycling is one way many, many people connect to the outdoors and nature. And I constantly see people heading up and down the hills where I live in Wales. And I was out on on a bike, on an e-bike, making a podcast uh, on Friday, last Friday, so a few days ago. And it was a most amazing experience. I was flying along. The power of having a motor is just, it's just magic. I went into the most fabulous places and explored industrial ruins and beautiful nature reserves and stopped for tea in a pretty little Welsh town. And all in a, I covered about 30 miles. But when, it, when I got home, I sort of realized that 
I hadn't all I all I I just had that sort of connection to the bike mm. and it everything had flown past me. And it had got me to places really quickly and really cheaply. And I did I'd had this thrilling time, slightly frightening time at times, because uh, there's a big steep descent coming off, coming from Blynaven back to Abergavenny. It's five miles downhill. And that's, I, unfortunately, my batteries had run out. Otherwise, you would have just heard a sort of... Uh, a, a whale. A whale, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, I think it's really interesting. I, I, I agree. I like to walk to Mesmer. Do, do you feel the same? I can I? see how that would make a difference to how you're experiencing this, the place. Certainly, because you're going through it so quickly and you're actively trying to make sure that you're balanced well and mm. you're not going to come across anything. Sort of, it, yeah, like what you're saying about you having a connection to the bike and physically holding onto the bike rather mm. than kind of stepping forth makes total sense. That's it. I was particularly coming downhill where I could feel my weight resting on the handlebars through numb fingers. I was just, I couldn't take in my surroundings. And I was going through the most beautiful landscape. I think walking is definitely the way. Bikes are wonderful. The greatest invention humankind has ever, uh, apart from the podcast. <laughs> um, but we also talk about that rhythm of the footsteps as well, like mm. mimicking the heartbeat and that kind of almost mindless, rep repetitious yeah. movement kind of being almost meditative and sort of settling you back down again. I can see why cycling may not have the same effect. I think that's, I think it's just a general thing though. I think it's, people always think about getting to the destination mm. and it's not always about that. I think sometimes it's the journey you're going on. It's just if you take time during that, that's where you can get to see, see all this stuff. I think sometimes people are so focused on the Let's get a bit deep. The end goal. No, this is very yeah. profound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they don't see the, the the beauty that's around them on the way. Yeah, the A to whoever, not the A to B. It's the A to whichever. <laughs> yeah. So I got off my bike, entered some walking. I've got a couple of things to report back to the studio. I had a couple of amazing sightings. Go on. I was walking on my regular dog walk down to the river. It was a lovely day. And I was walking along a tiny little stream, which flows a little tributary of the River Usk. Suddenly there was a big splash in the water. And I looked around. And to my surprise, there was an otter in the yes. water, in a tiny stream. Oh, I mean, it was a bit brilliant. swollen because of the flooding, but the water was clear and I could see it sinuously moving down. It was moving very fast and like a great bow wave. Wow. So at first I thought, oh my goodness, it's like a salmon. But it was a, uh, an otter. Uh, I don't think, I've, yeah. Just, I've never seen one in this tiny little stream. And I imagine there must be lots of fish that have swum up or come across in the floods and have now easy pickings for, because there was a cormorant in there as well, feeding his little face. That's fantastic. So that was brilliant. And then the other night, sitting in my living room, it was getting dusk, it was sort of dusky. And there was a huge swarm of birds up in the sky. Starlings, like a couple of thousand of them doing oh a sky goodness. dance above Abergavenny. Well, I I was speechless. <laughs> what are you like, doing? Yeah, I know. What are you doing here? Get <laughs> down from there. Exactly. You're not supposed to be here. So that was really heartening because there, I haven't seen a starling roost outside of some of the big starling roosts on the Somerset levels. Or, but to have one above my house, That's magical. A, you know, I haven't seen, I've lived there for 12 years. I haven't seen a starling roost. What that means, I don't know. Maybe there's just a group have turned up and they found good feeding. They might not be here next year, or maybe they're branching out and they're settling. And who knows, we might have a big starling influx. But 
it was very exciting and a proper swirling and and you could hear the, the sound of their wings i love that like whirring really almost oppressive whirring as they come across and you know darken the sky so fabulous things have happened i feel very upbeat about about the wildlife on my doorstep You're extremely lucky yeah so um so that's good well yeah let us know your anything that's exciting that's happened in your part of the world please send thoughts emails sounds if you've recorded i I didn't get out in time to record the whir of the starlings wings because i was too gobsmacked but if you have recorded that i would love to hear that Mm. play it as our sound of the week and we would well we've always got a little prize from our podcast library talking of which graham's letter deserves a prize i agree um i found well i hope this is a book that will appeal i really like the look of this it's called a Flower a Day by Miranda Yanatka. And it's 365 flowers, different species of flower, burst into bloom somewhere in the world. This collection of 366 flowers. Well, oh. cheeky. They've gone for a leap here. <laughs> um, reveals more than their beauty, but also fascinating folklore, history, and other wonderful stories. So I think this could be sort of wet weather reading. It's got fantastic pictures in it It's too. just beautiful. Well, Graham, um, this will wing its way to you, and I hope you enjoy it. As I say, get in touch. You can email me. My email address is editor at countryfile.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. But for now, from Hannah, Jack, and me, it's goodbye. Whether it's gloriously sunny or a spring downpour, you can always get outdoors with Regatta. So what are you waiting for? Find a route, grab your walking shoes and start exploring. Regatta Great Outdoors offers all types of performance footwear, from technical hiking boots for regular ramblers to durable walking shoes for the whole family. With waterproof and breathable qualities, shock-absorbing comfort and superior grip, Regatta footwear is designed to withstand whatever challenges Mother Nature throws your way. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com.